Welcome and thanks so much for tuning in today. Here's the thing, you guys. This is what you need to know about more Jody. I'm the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself, all the time. The goal of this podcast is to help you go unfiltered. We use so many covers to hide our true selves, and it's time to stop living your life according to what the ideal police think you should be doing and step into who you were created to be. More vulnerable, more authentic, and more free. Today I have Dominique Dickow on the podcast. She is just like the rest of us. She's a wife, mother, sister, daughter, friend. She's an Enneagram 7 with a six wing, which we talk a little bit about today. But a few years ago, she was diagnosed with scleroderma. And this discussion will teach you how to advocate for yourself, how to make choices that change your health with what you put into your body every day. And it's a really hopeful episode. It'll help you also help one of your friends navigate, you know, one of these autoimmune diseases. So I encourage you to listen all the way through. There are so many good tidbits in here today. Um, and just about how hopeful she's, she's remained even through the ups and downs of her journey. So I'd encourage you to share this podcast with a friend, rate and review, and thanks for being here today. Dominique Dickow, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Jody. Surviving another surviving another spring day in Edmonton, I assume. <laughs> yes, another spring day. <laughs> Could be any it season can. in one day, right? It's true. Yeah, it's true. No, I'm I'm excited. Um, first, I like to I'd like you to tell people where to find you on Instagram because oh. they might want to look you up while we right. chat. So my handle, because that's what it's called, right? A handle. Yep, a handle <laughs> uh, is Dominique's Life Adventures. And what and made you, you start me. that? Oh, good question. So, um, I started Dominique's life adventures, oh, two years ago when I was kind of in a place where I had, I was going through a lot of pain. I was, uh, I had something called digital ischemia on my hand and I was trying to connect with, um, people in uh, the community that had scleroderma. And so I created Dominique's life adventures. I didn't know what to call it because I don't, I didn't want to call it like Dominique has scleroderma, but, uh, I wanted to kind of talk through like other adventures, not just my scleroderma, yeah. but this has been quite the adventure. So yeah. it's kind of taken over that whole, uh, whole realm. And I, I just haven't changed it. I don't think I want to change the handle no. because I feel like it's an adventure. Health is an adventure. So. It is. And, and I, I know that like, I've known you for probably, is it 20 years? Almost. Yeah. I was Ooh. counting out my, how long I've lived in Edmonton day. Yeah. Today. A really, a really, really long time. Um, mm -hmm. But what's interesting here is I remember when you first started navigating this journey. And I think, I think, I don't think I would have known until I saw about, saw it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been incredible to watch you. You are such a woman of resilience and hope and, and determination. And so I think that, um, as I was, I mean, I said probably six months ago that I wanted to have you on. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I just, I don't know, like, and I, I kept it in my head and then you put up a post, I don't know when it was maybe a few months ago. And it was about how you changed your eating, mm -hmm. um, and, and how you read a book called how to stay alive or what was the book called? <laughs> Uh, how not to die, how not to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I just, I know this is a very multifaceted part of your life. It encompasses everything, parenting, you're a teacher, you know, it, it come everything and then add pandemic to that, which is mm -hmm. just like nightmare. Right. So yeah. you are a woman of grace and I, 
I'm just excited to talk to you and to bring awareness to scleroderma and um, to kind of just explain to people what it's like to be on that journey. Then maybe people will know how they could support a friend going through, you know, dealing with an autoimmune disease and stuff like that. And so I'm just really excited to, yeah, hear kind of about the trials and then also just like how you've risen up and taken control of your health in the best way you can. Because I think we all need to do that even when we don't have a diagnosis, um, you know, and I think that so often we're only pressed through adversity and we only yeah. change through adversity. So we're like, I'm going to keep eating all this garbage and these chemicals and all that. And <laughs> it's true. It's true. And so something yeah. that's really been on my heart in the last probably four months is that I feel like things are changing. I don't know if it's just that I'm approaching 40 or what it is, but <laughs> I, I feel um, a real push to do everything I can for my body before I have a diagnosis. So I'm just excited for you to inspire us. So with that, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. So my listeners can get to know you a little bit. Awesome. So thanks for the introduction, Jody. So yeah, I, I'm Dominique. I grew up in Richmond, BC. So that's exciting. I'm not there anymore. (laughs) I uh, currently live in Edmonton, which is uh, climate wise, quite a bit different. Um, But I did, I grew up in BC. I moved out here when I was 20. And that's when I met Jody. And I have been living here now for yeah, 17 years. It's kind of creepy. It's a long time. (laughs) It's a long time. I moved out here because there was a handsome boy. So I am married. It's a good drawing card. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it is a good drawing card. Uh, I finished up my degree out here at U of A and, uh, and I am married to Graham and uh, we have two kids together. Um, My daughter is going to be nine this year. That's crazy. And my son turns six next month. Um, So yeah, so that's, that's exciting. Um, I am a teacher, as was mentioned. I used to be a music teacher. Um, I did that for almost 10 years. And then I have also taught French and now I'm currently, thanks to the pandemic, teaching online and teaching grade fives, which has been <laughs> been a journey in itself this year. Um, but uh, they've been a really great group. Grade and fives are always like coming into puberty. Is that the thing? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're like <laughs> sassy and they're, they're figuring out, I feel like I feel like I remember being in grade five and my teachers just being so exhausted. Cause you're like, you think you're funny, but you like, don't get it. <laughs> like you're not. Yeah. yeah that's funny. You don't quite get it yet. Yeah. No, they're, yeah. they're a really fun bunch. And it's been an interesting year. Cause they, I've fluctuated of how many kids I have in my group. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's been really good. It's been a, a, a different year and uh, a challenge of its own, but again, I'm just thankful that I have a job first of all, and that I'm yeah. able to work from home. That's been really nice. So teaching from home has been good. Um, what else about me? Oh, my diagnosis. So, um, not only do do I live in Edmonton, uh, no, but recently, uh, in the last couple of years, I was diagnosed with scleroderma, limited, uh, scleroderma, systemic sclerosis is another name for it. Um, and that was about three, I'm trying to think, uh, December of 2018, I was officially diagnosed with that. Um, and it had been a road and a half before that be, trying to be diagnosed with something. Obviously that path of discovery is probably, I make up the hardest, one of the hardest parts people go through. Maybe, um, how long was that path of discovery for you to find out what was going on? Yeah. So 
I first started showing, showing symptoms in the spring of 2017. I, it's funny because I took pictures and this is really important. Okay. Can I just say this for a second? I, yeah. I take If you have a disease that's starting to become visible or you're like, something's not right. Why is my hand swollen? Um, take pictures because at first I thought, oh, this will go away. And then it wasn't. And then I had, I started taking pictures of stuff and I realized by the time six months went by that things were changing in a not very good way, then I could bring something to my doctor and say, look, this is what's been happening over six months. And I documented a lot of things on paper awesome. and, and through pictures. So it still took a really long time, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was the spring of 2017. I first started showing symptoms and I was diagnosed a year and a half later. Okay. Um, yeah. You do have to advocate for yourself and and uh, find the right, the right doctors in that situation. Um, can you tell us what the year was like after diagnosis? So you All find right. this out, you're like, what is this thing I've never heard of, first of all? Because had you ever heard of it before? Well, funny thing is, I Google, I'm a Googler. So when I was showing these symptoms, so the first symptoms I had was my hands like puffed up like crazy. Um, and I, I had really, they kept saying, oh, you have tendonitis, you have tendonitis. And so my hands were really big and puffy. And then my feet became really big and puffy and my face actually swelled up too, which I didn't really realize until I looked back at pictures. Oh, I was like, okay. what's wrong with my face? I had all these symptoms. So I started Googling like symptoms of puffy hands and, uh, puffy feet and puffy face. And the things that kept popping up were scleroderma or lymphoma, um, or other forms of cancer. And I was like, Oh, Ooh, yeah. but scleroderma kept being a common thing. So I kept asking like my nurse friends, Oh, what do you know about scleroderma? Like, oh, you don't want scleroderma. <laughs> and I was like, this is not helpful. But so I kept, and I brought it to my doctor's attention a couple times. And she kept saying, you know what? It's a really rare disease. I don't think that's what this is. I think you just have tendonitis. And then I think you just have thyroid issues. And then I think you just have, and it was this constant, like, oh, let's check all these other things and try and treat all these uh, symptoms that were happening, but treating mm -hmm. them all separately. Um, instead of looking like, I think these are all connected. And I remember go going into the office one day with a, an, on an envelope, I sat in the parking lot writing every single symptom I'd had for a year and walking in and saying, I really think these are connected. And she was just kind of like, uh, well, I'll send you to a rheumatologist. Well, and they're always so funny. They're like, okay, Google doctor, like <laughs> yeah, you're, that, a, you're a teacher, stay in your lane. Totally. Right. But so, I, and the other thing too, is that we're so used to living an, in a non-optimal space, which is mm -hmm. sad. Um, but in the actual, like there's the naturopathic way. And then there's the, um, you know, the, I don't know if you want to, I don't want to call it scientific because naturopathic has science in it, obviously, but like the more traditional path. And mm -hmm. I think what I've learned from the more traditional path is that if, if I'm really bad, they're going to medicate me. But if I'm like, just like struggling, they're like, sorry, <laughs> you yeah. can't be medicated, but you also, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. So you and had to advocate for yourself. I definitely did. And because of that, I was able to see a rheumatologist and then I saw him for a while. And he, he said right away, I went in there, I showed him my hands and he was like, this is presenting like scleroderma. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I have to run some tests. And at that time, my tests actually, my, all my blood work came back negative. So oh, wow. that's really interesting. Like looking back, because I think like, oh, if it would have, if it was negative and we intervened somehow, 
what would the outcome have been? Would it right. still have progressed as much as it did? Or would it have been a longer, like uh, dormant longer or totally. what, what would have happened? So obviously you can't go back in the past, but, uh, but yeah, so I had heard a lot about scleroderma. And so I'd started, I pretty much had thought in the back of my mind the whole time, this is probably what I have because nothing was changing to show right. anything different. It wasn't like I ate too much salt and now no. everything's fixed. Yeah. 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 So one of the first things that presents with scleroderma is um, Raynaud's and a lot of people have Raynaud's. It's very common and a Raynaud's, some people call it Raynaud's. I don't, I call it Raynaud's. Um, and so that was part of it too, like trying to what is that? So Raynaud's is when your hands, when you, you have a sensitivity to cold, also stress oh, Okay. and your hands will turn white and then they turn blue and then purple. And then they return back to their normal <laughs> color and cold Edmonton, uh, right. cold is not the best for it. And so I was having, and it, it came out of the blue for me. I had never had that happen before. And that was one of the first things that started presenting. Uh, but a lot of my friends had Raynaud's. So they were like, oh, I have had that since I was a teenager. Oh, I've oh, had that. Really? So, long. Mm-hmm. so that was another thing that was like, oh, well, okay. Maybe this is not scleroderma, even though right. it's presenting that way. I was officially diagnosed then a year after that first appointment with that rheumatologist um, and no interventions in between then. So I, I do wonder like, oh, I wish I could go back in time a little bit. If someone caught it early, is it like something they could stop? It's not, I don't think, hmm, that's a good question. So when I've talked with my rheumatologist that I have now, and we've talked about like, I often bring up like, do you think it was caused by this? Or do you think, cause they often say with autoimmune diseases, there's a trigger. And so it, it's, you could be predisposed to it genetically. Um, and then something environmental happens to you, or you have some sort of trigger, uh, tra- traumatic experience. So I often try to like think piecemeal right. things together, like what would have caused this? Um, and he's always like, <laughs> well, like, we don't know, we don't know. Right. Um, but early intervention for any type of, of disease is obviously much better than per- the progression of your disease forming. So had there been an early intervention, maybe the medications I'm on could have slowed down my skin progression, maybe would have made my hand not lose my tip of my finger, which we can talk about later, but um, maybe there would have been some sort of way to to slow that down or to stop it from from happening for for some time. I don't know if it would present it forever, but better to not think about it now. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's that? What does that help? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. But I think, so then, so then after the diagnosis, so mm-hmm. in 2018, so that's what three years ago, I guess. Almost. Yeah. Almost three years. So what was that like after, like you've Googled this by this point, you've self-diagnosed yourself for a mm-hmm. while. Um, what are your thoughts when you actually find out? There was like an, a wave of emotion obviously the first thing I felt was like relief. Okay. There actually is something wrong with me. I'm not making this stuff up. This is legit. So that was the first probably like, huh, okay. Now we can do things with this. I'm not just sitting here going, I have puffy hands and let's deal with that. Um, so that was the first thing. Obviously I felt grief. I think I felt grief for, well, I still (laughs) comes in waves. Um, but the first year probably for sure was the 
thinking back, like I'm missing out, I'm going to miss out on so many things. Often with scleroderma, people get told a very like daunting prognosis. Um, there are some people that a scleroderma is a huge range. There's some people that have only Raynaud's. There's some people that have lung disease and heart disease immediately after being diagnosed. And so not knowing where you are on the spectrum of scleroderma at the beginning, it can be, yeah, you worry. You think, am I going to be able to raise my kids all the way till they have kids? Um, Am I, like, what happens to being a music teacher? (laughs) I was a music teacher forever and I use my hands all the time. Um, I can't use my hands as well anymore. What's going to happen in our house? because I'm usually the cleaner. I'm usually the one cooking dinner. I'm usually the one using my hands all the time. And now I can't. And so there's like, yeah, you grieve the things that you, you miss out on, um, or your old normal, I guess. And then, um, and then speaking of that, moving on and trying to process it to be okay with this diagnosis and being okay with who, who you are, who you're, are planned to be. Um, right. And so that was probably like the first year. Right. <laughs> and, and still, I still have moments where I, I'll look through pictures on my phone and, and look back at how like active I was with my kids when they were li- really little. Um, and then think like, oh man, like yesterday, just trying to go play some baseball with them for a little bit and how exhausting that one small activity is. Um, there's just, yeah, there's moments <laughs> they come and go. Definitely. But that first year was hard for sure. At what point were you like, I've got to do what I can? Like, did you feel that right away? Like that, because, because like you've, you've been working to raise awareness. So I feel like, and because it's so rare, mm-hmm. right. It's, it's like kind of navigating that on your own. And yet at what point were you like, maybe I can change my eating. Like, was that pretty immediate after, or was it like you kind of, cause I feel like I would have to crawl into a hole for a while before I would climb out with my positivity. Funny right? you mentioned that. Yeah, no, I was thinking that too uh, earlier. I was thinking like, yeah, my first instinct, I mean, luckily I like got my diagnosis, started this um, intense medication and happened to be at my parents for Christmas. And I remember flying out there, having taken this, like I started taking methotrexate and if you know what that is, it's a, uh, is it a cancer drug? Yeah. It's a cancer drug. Yeah. And I'd never put anything other than like vitamins in my body. (laughs) So I'm like, uh, I'm taking these pills and they're going to change me. Like this is a big step. And I remember, um, being out in BC with our small children and, um, and yeah, wanting to just lie in bed and not, just wanted to just, I don't know, crawl. Yeah. Crawl into a hole. Um, and luckily I had taken this book out from the library randomly in Edmonton. There was a book about scleroderma in the library and it was from a patient's perspective. So I had that book with me that week and I was reading this patient's perspective of like this, these are the emotions you're going to feel. These are the things that will help you through this stuff. And so much so, so much information about scleroderma and the type of scleroderma she had was diffuse, which is different than what I have, but still, um, still a, a, a type of scleroderma that is uh, often given a, a not very positive prognosis. And, and so I remember say, having that book with me. And then because of that book, I could like, cause I was telling people now that I had this disease and that, like just friends and family, that's all who knew. And 
And some people were trying to be supportive. Some people were like, oh, I don't know how to talk to you now. Like it was, it was really an odd time. And luckily I had this like, oh, okay, this lady is telling me that this is normal. People don't know how to respond. My dad was in denial. I love you, dad, if you're listening, but like (laughs) he was, (laughs) he was like, no, this, you can't have this. This is not how it's supposed to be. And, and I was like, well, this (laughs) this is what it is. Um, and so, yes, I, I did want to crawl in a hole, but I, uh, that's not my personality to stay there. Well, it's, and yeah. let's talk about your personality for a sec, because, <laughs> yes. so you are an Enneagram seven and I, I am, am, and I'm also, for anyone listening who still is listening to this podcast and has not gone <laughs> and, you know, read the book, um, what is the book that I have? The road back to you. Road back to you. Yeah, good um, one. So the road back to you, you basically, it's better than taking a test. It's better to read what you are and then determine from that. But yeah, the, it's a really good book. But the goal of an enthusiast is to avoid pain at all costs. And yes. so that's like me now this year being like, why do I have these pains? What do I have? And trying to fix it and trying to figure things out. And so speaking like to un- help the listeners understand a little bit about your personality, it's like the ever positive, always excited, new adventures, loves life. So to have a diagnosis like this is, I mean, it's bad for anybody, but with that personality type, that's a little bit extra, I want to say crushing. I feel like people probably don't know actually what scleroderma is. Systemic sclerosis is another name for it. And scleroderma actually means sclerosis of the skin. So it's hardening and tightening of the skin. It's a connective tissue disease. And it also affects, obviously, connective tissue is everywhere in your body. So it affects your skin. It affects your internal organs, your esophagus, um, heart, lungs, so are connective uh, tissues like tendons, is that like what connective, like what's the connective tissue? Connective, connective tissue is like the space between everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when you think of like inside your body, if you saw like a diagram of the skin and, and what it looks like, and then to, to all the cells and blood and all that stuff, that that's the area that it's affecting. So I also have an overlap disease called myositis, which affects my muscles, but that's separate from, well, it's an overlap, but it's also since I was diagnosed with scleroderma. That means that it makes your skin get tighter is what you're saying. And then certain organs are going to get harder. Is that kind of what that is? Okay. Yeah. So it's a hardening. A hardening. And one of the first things that, that changed or that you noticed, like you said, was your hands, your feet, your face, but tell us a little bit about the story to do with your finger. Cause was that before you were diagnosed? No, so that was shortly after. Shortly the, after, the, okay. The real diagnosis. Right, right. <laughs> so that happened because of my Raynaud's. So what happens is the blood vessels are also affected by the skin tightening or the connective tissue. Uh, it's a buildup of collagen. Let's put it that way. You know, collagen, oh. everyone wants to pump that into their skin to make yeah. them young. Yeah, I'm like permanently going to be young forever. Um, <laughs> thanks to collagen. So it's an overproduction of collagen. And that occurs inside within like blood vessels as well. So the blood vessels start to form fibroids, I believe. And so it starts to block the blood flow to your extremities. So hands and feet and ears. Oh, and nose actually too. Um, And so I ended up having something called digital ischemia, which meant the blood flow to the tip of my index finger 
had no more blood flow. And because I have Raynaud's, I just thought, oh, I'm having a Raynaud's attack. It's not a big deal. It'll go away. And then it didn't go away. And then I didn't deal with it right away because I'm Mrs. Positive going back to that. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. It doesn't hurt. And then it started to hurt. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't okay. And it just happened at a really fun time and I didn't want to miss out on anything. So I, I pushed through, uh, going to like a friend's was releasing a CD, an album, and I went to her concert. And that night I went kind of like to Graham, I think I need to go to the hospital tomorrow. And he was like, why don't we go now? I'm like, no, I'll wait till tomorrow. So I waited uh, too long. Um, and because I didn't know what was happening. Um, and so when I went to the hospital, they said, oh, you have ischemia. That means no blood flow to your fingertip and it's probably going to die your fingertip. And at the time I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, what is, are you going to amputate it? Like, what is this going to look like? And so they ended up having it auto amputate, which is a thing. And so I had a black fingertip for about six months and then it fell off. Really? Like a nail. That's crazy. So basically when they say auto amputate, they just mean like, let nature take its course. Let nature take its course, which was extremely painful. Oh, that sounds really painful. It really was. And so this was like before I had my amazing rheumatologist who I have now. And had I had him, he knew some interventions that would have maybe prevented it from being as bad as it was. Um, But I, luckily I saw, I, I saw him about two months into my finger auto amputating. And he sent me for a treatment to help the process and to make sure that my finger healed properly because of the lack of blood flow. And so even now I get kind of paranoid, like my finger will turn, I'll be outside and doing something and then I'll come inside. I'm like, Oh, my finger's white. So I like live with a magic bag attached to me at all times that I heat in the microwave. And I make sure I have hand warmers. I have gloves that uh, are battery operated that heat up. I'm just very, very conscious about my fingers because I don't want to go through that again. And I don't want anyone to have to go through that again. It was incredibly painful. Um, And that's one of the things that started my Instagram thing. And because of that, my Instagram account, I had hashed or I'd taken a, I don't think I took a picture of it, but I somehow had talked about it Mm -hmm. and hashtag Claire Derma Warrior, Raynaud something, something. And uh, a woman connected with me from the United States. And she said, I had the same thing happen to me. You're going to be okay. And I was like, this is what I need to hear. And uh, that's why I created that Instagram account is to be part of a community that's bigger than uh, my, I love my local community, but um, to have people with scleroderma from around the world and to be able to see, okay, this is happening. This is what to expect. This is the symptoms I have. How can I help each other? And yeah, to be an advocate for, um, for our disease. That's amazing. And everything, communities, everything right? Yes. Truly. And, and people who really get it, people who have it, people who support family members with it. Right. Cause even for your husband who I only know via really good gossip that he's just <laughs> been absolutely phenomenal and has been like such a support system to you. And, um, I'm so excited that you have such a phenomenal doctor now. So you're thinking now that if you, which we'll talk about your, you know, taking more charge of your health, but with a good doctor like that, who knows some of these interventions that you can do, um, is that going to change your long-term outcome? 
because he can stop stuff maybe I hope so. Um, he, he tries, like, he's very open-minded to trying things. Um, and he, he knows medications that work. He knows medications that don't work. Sometimes we try something and it just doesn't work with my body or I have some right. sort of reaction. I'm like, Nope, I'm not taking that. Yeah. So that's been really helpful. And he's always willing to listen if I'm like oh by the way I'm not gonna eat meat for a while <laughs> he's like do your thing like yeah. so that's helpful I mean within reason he doesn't want me to go crazy I think but like but anything he always says like anything that you feel like you need to do to try and and make it through this he also uh encourages me with my positivity uh and that's something that I think is really helpful because he, when I, even when, even when he gives me some bad news, I'm like, yeah. okay, I'll take this news. It sucks. Yes. I'm sad, but I'm, I'm not going to let that ruin things. This is, I, I want to be a mom to my kids. I want to be a wife to my husband. I'm not going to let all this, this bad news change that. And, uh, just have to adjust. Totally. And I, I've been listening to so many books, like audible books and um, reading different things about, about the brain and about just how the negative um, thing, I mean, with everything happening around us, like I said to my doctor yesterday, I've never had so many ailments in my body in one year. Mm -hmm. Right. And I said to her, is this just stress? Like, I don't know how to make it go away. And I don't like to feel my feelings. I'd rather think about them. And then reframe them and change them. I'd be like, no, this crappy thing is great because I already decided that blah, 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 blah. Right. And so it, it's, it is, I don't want to also be like fake positive because there's a lot of garbage right now. Right. So there's, there's just, there's so much to navigate. And this is a really, really stressful time. The book, when the body says no, has been interesting for me because I feel like everything happens in the right timing. Like I started listening to that book on audible and then things started falling apart in my body. And I was like, my body's saying, no, like I need to, this is what the book said. Right. And it's written by a doctor. I always wreck his name G A B O R. And then his last name is like Matel, like M A T E L or something. And he talks a lot about, he worked, works a lot with scleroderma patients and he talks about scleroderma patients typically, um, being really selfless having a really hard time saying no. Is that you at all? Yes. Really? Yeah. That's, have you heard that before? No, I haven't. <laughs> he says he goes through a bunch of different um, diseases and he says it, with ALS, he'll, he says there'll be ALS patients that are literally like on their deathbed and they still are taking their mom and serving their mom and doing all these things. And like, they can't get up for anything, but to please that one person who's always been like the person they need to please, they will do that thing. And so he's trying to show people that learning to say no to things, learning not to be a pleaser, learning to um, sort of like, and he says it in a really unselfish way. He doesn't say, you know, like be selfish, but he says like live a life within your own boundaries and processing emotions and not letting anything stay pent up because he says it will show up as disease in your body. And that was one of the biggest ones with scleroderma was people pleasing and selflessness. Mm -hmm. And so many, the generations before us have, have treasured those qualities. You know, you're a selfless woman, you are give up everything for your family and do everything for everybody else. But then it's like, your body's like, no more. Mm -hmm. And so that's been something that book's been really interesting to me because I, I don't feel that I am that giving 
<laughs> I feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm nice enough. Um, but he talks a lot about, a lot about repression and how, how you can't, it's like, I shouldn't be just reframing. I should be being like, I feel sad where for me that shows up as like tightness in my chest where for someone else that's tears. Hmm. Right. And so it's like learning to, um, really feel the emotions as an Enneagram seven, do you feel emotion easily or do you feel like you think through it and reframe it? I think I, I, I'm a bit of both. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So speaking of Enneagram, I, I'm a six wing, so I, okay. I get anxieties and I get worries and, uh, those things pop up, especially, um, as I get, get older, those things pop up right. more. Um, and so I've, and I've always been a, um, a crybaby. Oh, <laughs> I guess. Sounds so cute like, when you say it like that. I guess, hey. Um, it's funny because my son's kind of the same way. And I'm like, yeah, he takes after me. Like, yeah. I, I've always been in tune with emotions. Um, and I feel like uh, I also feel very uh, a lot of empathy for people right. who are struggling. And so I often put myself in other people's shoes and can feel feel emotions that way um but with my it's funny with my health especially at the beginning um my therapist another person on my team here I'm all about teams so my medical team includes my therapist my physiotherapist my GP my rheumatologist now I've got a a pulmonologist I'm like I got a good team here um but my therapist once said to me you need to stop minimizing yourself and your symptoms and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you are more concerned about everybody else and pleasing everybody else that you forget. And this was shortly after my finger problem. Right. Because of course, for three days, I minimized my symptom and wanted to just have fun for three days, which was, it was a great time, but I yeah. did hurt myself. I hope it was worth it. <laughs> it, it was, it was. Um, but yeah, she said that to me once and I went, yeah, you're right. I do do that. And so I have to, I do have to be cautious of, yeah. of that. And I think I've grown in the sense of like being able to recognize when my, I can't give anymore. And to be honest, like COVID's kind of helped with that because yes. we've had to set boundaries. Um, and so I think it came at, for me, it came at a good time for two reasons, the setting boundaries one, and then also my, my change of my, uh, eating, but, um, but it did help for sure with setting boundaries and being okay with saying no, but I am typically someone like, I'm so thankful for this, but I have a group of friends that, um, since COVID we've either met through zoom or when we're allowed to meet outside, we've been able to have fires. And every week when the, the invite comes out of, who's up for a fire it, I'm the first responder <laughs> yes I am I'm in <laughs> like I I can't miss out on that yeah um so there are those moments and that's kept me sane this whole time without without that I don't think I I would have I, I've needed an escape in some way and that is my escape like as a seven yeah. we tend to escape and we want to yeah. plan and we want to go places and do things and so that's been my escape going to have a fire I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I do agree. Those are some of the high perks, like the high points of COVID have been some of that separation, you know, like not having as many commitments, less Mm -hmm. stress, less like, Oh, one of my favorite terms that someone made up on one of my episodes was forced politeness. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of forced politeness in our life. And I, and part of me is like, 
because we were raised that way. And part of me is like, no, that's a good thing. Like, don't get rid of forced politeness. But then I'm like, forced politeness makes someone hug their creepy uncle that they don't want to touch. Forced politeness, you know, there's so many things we do out of forced politeness that I'm like, maybe the world's going to change. And we're, and like, I feel like years ago, you would have never been like, um, I have a lot of anxiety at this certain family function with these certain people, but you keep going because you're like, that's what we do. And I feel like society is going to shift a little where you don't do stuff. That's not good for you, you know, for you personally. And I think that's really powerful. I think there've been a lot of things that have come out of it that yeah, are really good, but yeah, I'm with you. I like, I'm so lonely for like a good time or a party. We had, our offices have been essential services this whole time. And so for part of it, we were able to lock the doors and boy, did we have fun just us. Like we worked hard, but I was like, guys, we have to have wine at the end of the day, you know, like (laughs) I will bring it to the inn and and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, we need people, people need people. And so, um, in whatever way you're getting that, yeah, people just, they have to get some people in their lives. Cause I think that's, that's so important. So let's talk about your diet because I am like (laughs) obsessed with cooking, obsessed with food. Um, I have so many, like, I do just believe food is medicine. And I think that, um, I truly think we could we should tax sugar. I think we should tax fast food. I think like, I think there's so many of these things that I wish the government would care about. And so you have taken control of your life in this way. Tell us what you're doing with how you eat now and kind of like the journey there. And even do you take your family on it? Like, what do you do? When I first started showing symptoms, Graham and I tried whole 30 and I was like, okay, like everyone says is the inflammatory thing. I just have inflammation. I'm going to try whole 30. So we did whole 30 and, uh, that was a lot of meat. Oh yeah. I bet. <laughs> I like, okay. Like going back, sorry, but I like, how do I phrase this? I, yes, I'm whole foods plant-based and yes, I believe animals should be treated much better than they are, especially around the world. But I will admit that I didn't really pay attention to that stuff. Right. Uh, even though I had what I have one friend who constantly, actually, you should be friends with her. She lives close by to you. But she always like, Dominique, you shouldn't eat me. Dominique, you shouldn't eat me. <laughs> and I was like, I know, whatever. It tastes good. Bacon, like bacon, yeah. bacon, bacon. <laughs> so, uh, so of course, like whole 30, you eat like lots of meat right. and, and vegetables. Um, and I never felt better. I never felt like it was helping my inflammation. Sure. We lost weight, like both lost weight, but I never felt like it was helping my inflammation. I didn't feel like I didn't feel really good. I just felt like I was, you're eating that way. So we did that for 30 days when we were like, that's it. Graham continued eating um, eggs and hash browns for breakfast for like a year. (laughs) (laughs) And he really enjoyed it. Everyone falls in love with a potato again. I feel like when they do whole 30. Yeah, for sure. It was sweet potato too. So he was, and he never really liked it before. So it was whatever. That was his thing. Um, And then uh, when I finally got diagnosed, we tried it again. And then I tried the autoimmune diet, which is very similar. Is that SCD? I don't think so. Maybe. Um, This one is like cut out everything, like Whole30, but no nightshades because nightshades oh. can cause inflammation. And nightshades are like my favorite. Everything is a nightshade. That's I swear I live on nightshades. Yeah. Like, oh, garlic. I know. <laughs> I know. So I tried that again. And when you do something in a short, like, oh, 30 days is going to fix everything kind of thing. I, right. I have a hard time with that because I really feel like it's a, a 
30 days is up, then I go back to eating my old ways, right? Right. They talk about that with even um, yo-yo diets kind of stuff. Right, right. Right. We we go back to our old ways. We don't stick with it. Um, And so I tried those those types of things. And then I tried to eat relatively healthy. uh, And then what happened? Oh, and then work, like work takes over our lives a lot. And we started to eat a lot of make unhealthy choices, maybe like McDonald's once a week, um, just to try to make it from place to place to place to place, right? My daughter was in piano, she was in sports, my son was doing sports, like we were trying to go everywhere. And then you, you don't think, oh, I should prepare something in advance. You're like, oh, fast food, that's what it's there for. Right. We were eating pretty unhealthy. And I remember, uh, in January of last year saying to Graham, like doc- my doctor had put me on more medications. He was kind of saying like, like things, things aren't looking great right now. Let's try this. Let's try this. You're going on prednisone again. You're going on this. And I was like, ah, that's like, I don't want to put all mm. these things in me. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, okay, well he's, he, and I'm, he does, he's amazing, but he was like, well, this is, these things are presenting and we need to stop them. And so I was like, okay. And so I started, I had started following on Instagram, um, a doctor from the States named Dr. Goldner. And I started following her about a year before and, and never, I just watching her, not really like paying attention. Right. <laughs> but she would talk about like, oh, I reversed my lupus or I reversed my, I reversed, um, my kidney failure. I reversed this, I reversed and and people have been reversing their autoimmune diseases through her eating plan. And I kind of was like, well, really? I still like bacon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still like bacon. And still also like, I can be, I'm, I'm a critical thinker. This is where like the seven moves to five in growth, right? Like right. you have to think and know and analyze and read. And so I was like, well, let me look into this a little bit more. So I kind of started looking into it, reading about it, looking into her, who was she, what are her, what are her credentials? credentials yeah. And, uh, and she seemed pretty legit. So I, um, I showed her to Graham and Graham was like, well, if you feel like this is going to help you, I was like, I don't know. So I talked to my therapist who was amazing. And she was like, what's the harm? Yeah. What is the harm in trying something different? You've already tried these other eating things what's the difference between this? And I was like, okay. So, um, we had, we watched her three day free seminar, which she offers like every, I'd say like two months that's up there. And, um, and we were just like, what? (laughs) So we should all go watch this. Should we all go watch this? You should. It was really eye opening, um, to uh, the medical system and why we are prescribed drugs all the time which again, I have nothing against drugs because I am on them. And <laughs> that's funny, but <laughs> I'm on the medical ones. And uh, they, uh, my doctor is great and he prescribes the ones I need. He's not just throwing things at me right? Um, unless I give him consent. Like, yes, you can, I'll try this and see if it works. Um, so, but hers, just understanding why, like, okay, the big one that showed up for me was lactose intolerance. I'm lactose intolerant. Instead, I, I take lactate so I can drink milk. Right. I take a pill so I can do something. Do I need milk? No. no. Although lots <laughs> of people will argue with that. I won't um, argue with it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hurting my body every time I would drink milk. Even with the pill, it's still hurting my body, right? Yeah. So I was kind of like, huh. This, and three out of four of us are lactose intolerant in our house. So I was thinking, this 
this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I, and so I'm watching these videos. Graham's watching these videos. We're both like, what? I can't wait to watch this. You said this is Dr. Goldner. Yeah. D-N-E-R. Okay. And her three day seminar. I want to watch this. Yeah. They're, they're pretty sweet. So we, we watched them and I was like, okay. So on March 11th of last year, right before everything shut down, (laughs) I made the decision to, uh, go plant-based and that was my also my stepmom's birthday so I'll remember it forever um and uh it was it was raw I ate raw vegetables for six almost eight weeks six to eight weeks I would I'd say like I eased off on the eight week mark but um but for eight weeks I drank smoothies and ate salads and ate vegetables and felt amazing really yeah and drank lots and lots of water water is the big thing and I have a really hard time drinking lots of water but I felt so good and I know I also was on some medications that were helping function some of my um muscle problems that I was having um and so I do understand that that's part of why I was feeling so good but I also just felt really good like my stomach felt really vital yeah and our kids also everyone's like oh did your kids do it and yes our kids ate raw and uh we didn't really have cooked food I started making cooked food for my kids and my husband earlier about the five week mark but even my kids even that's incredible even like even (laughs) that long for your husband is incredible I know yeah. yeah. I, he's kind of like, did I really do that? I'm like, yeah, you did. You, you did a good job, but we cut out everything. So we had no sugars. It was whole food plant-based with no oil. So I haven't used oil to cook in over a year. Are oils uh, bad? They can be too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, um, you have to watch the seminar. <laughs> I will. Everyone's so going to watch for Dr. Goldner, yeah. but, uh, no, it, it just kind of explains the breakdown of like omega threes, omega sixes. This is what's happening in your body and, and just drawing it out straight out and saying, this is, this is what's happening. So, yeah, so it was, that was kind of, uh, the start. Um, and then slowly started to introduce cooked foods into my body in the summer. So March to the end of June ish, I wasn't really eating cooked food. And then now I would say we probably eat like more cooked food than raw, but I try but to still eat raw at least once a day, but still plant-based. Yeah. So when and you're no- eating raw, is that like, I'm trying to picture that, like, obviously I know what's in a, so it's basically vegan. Well, obviously it is vegan. It's vegan. So you could have, so if you're having like a raw supper, like a year ago when you're in the beginning, super raw, like what is your supper? Like snap peas and carrots or like salad, salad, <laughs> a big, huge salad. So yeah, uh, it eventually it became, I felt like I was having too much spinach and kale from my smoothies. Cause I was also drinking smoothies regularly as well. Um, so I cut out the spinach in my dinners and would usually just have a bunch of different types of vegetables, but we pretty much ate the rainbow. That was like our motto. My kids loved it because I was like, what rainbow are we going to make today? And Aww. then they make the rainbow. Um, so yeah. And then I found some great, uh, raw recipes for dressings because that was the hard part at first. The first yeah. was like, I remember the first week said, taking a picture to my, sending it to my sister being like, look, salad and she was like you have no dressing on there I'm like there's lemon juice oh no (laughs) and blueberries (laughs) I like mushed blueberries with lemon juice and that was my because I was like I don't know what 
salad dressing I can use. There's no oil, (laughs) no vinegar, no oil. So I was like, uh, okay, how do I do this? And so it took, it took a little while. And again, we were home, not like we were, I was teaching, but very minimal because it was emergency online. And, uh, and so I had time to kind of more intentional with my eating. Yeah. Like you would just have to be creative and you have to have the time, mm-hmm. right. To do, to do that stuff or whatever. And I think that's amazing. And it's so cool because that's another way COVID helped you because you weren't invited to people's houses. You weren't exactly. going places and it was just you, like there were no other influences either, which yeah, is a gift. It was. And not having to like, we've had friends and family that have, um, have to eat alternatively because of their, if they have celiac or they have other issues with their gastrointestinal who always take their own meals with them everywhere. And so I was like, Oh no, like I'm going to have to remember to take my meals. Like what if I forget and what do I eat at someone's house? But then we didn't even have that. We didn't have that problem because yeah. <laughs> we didn't go anywhere. We're just you eating at home all the time. Lots you of couldn't picture your new life. You're like, I didn't know what my new life was going to be like on COVID, right? Yeah. So that's really, really cool and exciting. So I, I have a, a friend who has um, Crohn's mm-hmm. and she put her Crohn's with the SCD diet. I'm sure that's the acronym. It's like a no fiber kind of diet. It's people should Google it. Cause clearly I don't know anything about it, but anyway, <laughs> she, she put it into remission. So is scleroderma something that will go into remission? So it can, there are some people that I have connected with that have, um, would, I would say is remi- what I would say is remission where they have no active scleroderma symptoms. Um, I, I hope that that's the point I get to where I don't have active sclerosis symptoms. Unfortunately, I'm not there yet. I just had some tests done last week that were like, but, (laughs) but that's not where I'm at quite yet. Um, also common with scleroderma is that it's in the, you're in the worst shape within the first three to five years. It's commonly told to me by my rheumatologist. He's always like, don't worry, you're in year four. (laughs) Okay. So uh, it is common that it slows down progression after that, that fifth year. Um, and I hope, I hope I can get to that point. Um, reversing my disease would be ideal as well. And I, I still have hope there. I just wish, and it's funny, like I was thinking about um, how, like going through that for eight weeks or six to eight weeks, having a timeline on there was okay for me because I was like, okay, I can do this for eight weeks. Right. I wish, and I kick myself because this is how I roll. I'm always like this. I'm all in. And then I get to that finish line and I'm like, okay. Right. (laughs) And then I don't go, Hey, if I stayed like this, how much better would it have been in the summer? Like how much more would have it affected me throughout the summer into the fall? Like what would, what would have happened? Right. I always, I, I look back all the time. Oh, what if, uh, Again, another line from my therapist is instead of worrying about what if, think of what is, and often I need to remember that as well. Um, But I I do, uh, I can push through on those things and be all in on those kinds of challenges. Um, But then, yeah, I sometimes wonder like, oh, had I kept going, what would have, what would it have been like? And I'm still eating well. Like we, it's funny. I thought, oh, okay, I'll try one of those plant-based burgers from A&W. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. It's beyond meat, whatever. And I read the ingredients and I was like, there's a lot of ingredients. Yeah. So (laughs) 
I mean, like read, read ingredients on things. So I did try it and I've had probably about three because I just thought, okay. But every time I do it, I say to Graham, please don't let me buy this again. <laughs> oh no. Does it make you feel sick? Yeah. I feel so gross and I get really bad. So part of my sclerosis is that I have uh, GERD gastrointestinal reflux disease. Oh, so okay. I get it really bad when I eat something like that. And I know better. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, no, don't do it. And then, but we're all like that. We all succumb to those kinds of moments. You're human. Um, <laughs> you're a real, you're a real human. Do you eat it then? Like, cause you wouldn't have, do you have gluten now? Like, what do you eat now? Like you said, you mostly eat cooked, but is it all still plant-based and all like gluten-free or dairy-free? Yeah. So we're gluten-free for most things or sprouted. We eat sprouted bread um, and then gluten-free pasta. We don't eat it that often. My kids right. probably eat more pasta than, than I do. Um, I often substitute for quinoa or rice or even cauliflower. I made a curry and I used cauliflower just as the base. Right. I, I've tried to buy sprouted bread. So that's kind of where we're at with. Is, is that a lot better? The sprouted bread? I don't mind it at all. It doesn't seem well, I to love have it. any interactions. Yeah. But is it, is it better for your stomach? Uh, from what I've read? Yes. That's my understanding about okay. it, but I, I could be wrong. I, that's just what I read. And that's from doing some research from other people who are whole food plant-based, like just different types of things. And, and, uh, Dr. Goldberg also brought up sprouted bread. So that's why I was like, okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. And have you, have you made any of your own sprouts? Not, but sprouts? I've been watching people make sprouts and I'm like, Ooh, that looks fun. So I think I might try. And you could do it easily. Cause you're at home. Cause I'm going to make a reel or not, or some sort of video about me mm-hmm. taking my sprouts to work because I have to like give them a bath after five hours and then like <laughs> rinse them again and then put them back in the sun. And I'm like, I think I need to make a whole thing about that because I don't work from home. So I, I, my sprouts are too high maintenance, so I can't yeah. make them. Yeah. You should right? definitely make a reel. I definitely should I make a reel of myself making sprouts and taking it to the office. But what do you think has been the toughest literal bridge along the way is it the food or um yes (laughs) i you know what that is it well and it was i will i'll say this now it's not a bridge now i'm like okay i don't eat meat and it doesn't bother me i know when i like i don't even think about it and if someone says like oh don't you miss like eggs benedict or don't you miss them and i'm like yes but i also know that it's going to do bad things in my body if i eat it and so it's making that like conscious awareness of like these things are not good for me i need to stop eating them that was hard for the first couple months but then because i felt good i can't go back like i'm i crossed the bridge (laughs) literally and then you burned (laughs) it you're like i don't like it yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I don't want to go back. And it's funny. The question I get all the time from family and friends is like, Oh, but what about your protein? And I'm like, there is protein in oh, way in more everything. things I know. than you think. So I, yeah, I take that question and I laugh at it now. Cause I'm like, okay. I remember asking my friend that when she was like, I'm vegan. I'm like, where do you get your protein from then? Right. Like I remember asking that question, but now I'm like, no, I, you just don't realize like how full yeah. of things vegetables are and fruits are like you, you can live off of them. <laughs> yeah. So, 
it's, 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 it, that's similar again to that whole mindset shift. Like when you talk about positivity or anything, because I think years ago, right. I would make smoothies and I would put in like a whole like thing of protein or whatever. And I still do sometimes now. Um, but for the most part, we just have like a vegan green smoothie. That's, you know, like awesome and whatever. And I'll drink that now and have like a handful of pistachios and I'm like totally full to lunch. Mm-hmm. But like the lie was that I had to fill up. And what years ago I would do, I got like an eating plan from a fitness instructor and she was like pumping me so full of protein that I was like, I feel so full. And she'd be like, it'd be bedtime. It'd be like, well, you didn't, you need 20 more grams of protein. And I was like, but I just don't even want it. And it was such a funny, weird thing, but I was doing it because it was like what you do to build muscle. Like as though I was going to build so much muscle and be so strong and tough. Like the whole thing's funny, but until you start trying other stuff, right. You just like cop, you're going with the crowd. Yeah. Right. And that's what everyone does. So you're like, well, I do the same things as those people. I totally agree with you. And now today, my breakfast was um, those tiny, tiny, tiny rice cakes. Like, I don't even know. They're just basically air. I should just put, (laughs) I should just put like nut butter on a spoon, but I put it on four tiny rice cakes at one o'clock was like, oh, it's time for my cabbage salad. Like I didn't even, but like the lie would be that I need this big breakfast with all these things. Right. But once you stop doing that, your body feels satisfied. It does. Right. So what about, what about the mental bridge you had to cross? The mental bridge that I've had to cross probably would have to do with accepting my body for what it is. That is a big one. Oh, I might get weepy now. Dang it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a poem to try and process my, uh, love for my new body. I've had lots of changes. I've changes in my face. I've changed in my hands. I've changes along my skin, um, discoloration, and just things that I, I again, I look at pictures and I go, like I look, like that looked good to me, and now this doesn't look as nice. <laughs> um, but there are changes that I have to be able to accept and and love, and that's really yeah. really hard. Um, and I have some friends that are big into like embodiment and, and, and loving our body and feeling our body and recognizing it. And that's been probably my journey over the last couple months is trying to just be okay with the skin I'm in, which sounds funny when you have a yeah. skin disease, Yeah, <laughs> but, like, totally. but, but really instead of looking at like and I mean, it will happen. I'll look in the mirror and I'll just be like, oh, where'd my eyebrows go? Like Amanda was great. You're like, I love Amanda. Amanda, teach me how to draw my eyebrows on. Um, <laughs> so there's, yeah, like I, I look at things and I go, oh, like those changes are happening. How am I going to get through these? And I, again, I'm thankful for my therapist. I'm thankful for friends who also are yeah. connected into the therapy world and, have words of encouragement regularly about, about loving our bodies. And that's an issue as women, we yeah. already have that issue since we were 12 years old, <laughs> like totally. loving this body. So, um, it's just a different, a different time to love my body. And, and even though I, it's funny, I wrote that poem, I felt really good about it. And then that day I got some news that I was not happy about because it showed another change that I can't see because it's inside. And, trying to to reconcile that I just wrote this beautiful poem about how I felt and I haven't posted it yet maybe I'll find the courage to post it in the next little while um but I just after I I I like wrote the poem 
found out some crummy news. Graham came home from work and I just was like, I, every time I feel like I've, I'm at, at this point mentally right. where I'm like, okay, it's like, oh, by the way, here's something to take you off of there. Yeah, right. off that road. So that's probably as a, a mental struggle that will exist, I think, for a while. But it's something that I'm trying to like work through. And that's okay. I need to do that. And to feel all the feelings associated with it, right? Because part of you is just like so thankful that you're here and you're a mom yes. to these kids. And like, you know what I mean? Thankful that you didn't just keep having fun and have fingers fall off, right? Like, totally. you're like I'm just going to have fun. I don't know what this is, but I'm not going to find out. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's like, there's so much about that, but it just keeps, I always talk about the Bible verse, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and, you know, through prayer and whatever, but it's like that it's a continual it's ongoing. And I think when that, when our battle with our bodies, whatever it is, because it's different for everybody is done. I think we're dead. <laughs> You know, I, I think, I think we truly experienced that our whole lives. And a lady who has written me asking to be on the podcast, she's childless, not by choice. And she mm -hmm. said, learning to trust her body again, mm -hmm. like her body failed her. And I was like, oh, that is like such an interesting thing to, to think about battling. Right. Yeah. But I think, I think so often, um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's bred into us. It's like generation upon generation upon generation of dissatisfaction and wanting to change our bodies and you know all these things instead of being like wow my body carried two babies <laughs> like who cares what this stomach looks like right like two people lived in here <laughs> for a for way too long like they're in there for so long right and so I think but we have to still mourn and we still have to experience the the feelings so we don't repress things so our body doesn't say no to more things, right? Right. right? No repression, no, no repression. repression, just dealing and talking and crying and thinking and getting through it that way. Um, how do you refocus on those hard days? Mm -hmm. I watch funny shows. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> to be honest, like the first thing I do on it. So that day that I got the bad news, yeah. I said to Graham, like, can we go watch something funny? I just need to laugh and I just need to find joy because I feel really crummy. And he was like, okay, like he's totally on board when I feel those moments. And so we went down and we, we watched our favorite show right now, which is Superstore and it's really oh, funny. I just finished it. It's, it's so good. I'm on season five. So I'm like, not I won't yet. say anything, but yeah. it's so good. I agree yeah. with you. And it, you're always laughing, like so unexpected. Yeah. Right. Like, it's yeah. So I, I typically need to laugh somehow. That's just how I've always dealt with my awkward sadness or my awkward, uh, like, uh, I don't know what to do right now. So I'm just going to yeah. laugh. Um, so I, I, I often turn to that first. Sometimes my, I'll text my dad, tell him something and he'll send me YouTube videos to make me laugh or memes. My dad sends me memes all the time. Um, just to try and, and, uh, <laughs> make me laugh. Cause he knows that I, I need that. Um, that's obviously first prayer is a big one. Yeah. Um, I've been doing some intentional breath work prayer, which has been really helpful. Um, yoga is another thing that I was really good at doing for a while and then fell off the bandwagon. And I know that's a strength for me to try and get back doing that, um, or struggle for me. It's not a strength. That's what I meant to say a struggle, but, uh, when I do do it, I feel really good. So even last night I was lying on the floor in the bedroom with my legs up on the side, up my wall and <laughs> trying to just like 
get the swelling out of my ankles, first of all, and then also just to relax and let, let just give myself, my body some time. And I could feel my hip flexors. I could feel my, and like feeling my body. And that's been the biggest thing is like actually taking the time to feel what my body's doing instead of being angry at it, that it's pain in pain or that I'm limping or that I'm not able to close my hand or whatnot. It's, it's taking the time to, to actually feel, which is something that I tend to push away. brush by that's that's really interesting I didn't know what what the waterfall like legs up the wall did and I was just gonna say do you ever do waterfall but then I was like maybe your feet would get cold and I like don't want your feet to get cold those maybe that's a bad idea but I but that's so that's so cool and I in the past while just with everything happening in the world um I've never struggled with anxiety I wouldn't say until the last year and just like I lay down at night to go to sleep and my chest is so tight right and and totally giving it to God and then just like the the different types of breathing, like the, um, my friend, Monica, there's like this, the four where it's like breathe in to four count, hold it for four count, exhale for four count. And then there's like a few different ones, but it really does calm your whole being. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is so powerful. What is your greatest source of strength? Do you think my greatest source of strength? It's a very cheesy, cheesy, (laughs) Must be getting to near the end then. That's when yeah. I ask all my really cheesy questions. So my greatest, yeah, I would say my source of strength, obviously, first and foremost, comes from my faith. Um, even in times of trial, like I remember reading through Job when I was losing my finger and I was like, oh, wow, I've never a really read through Job. I think I probably skimmed it and just heard stories. Um, but I remember when I was losing yeah, the tip of my finger, I, I really took some time in there and, and not understanding Job's suffering, but just going, okay. And there were some verses in there that popped up that were about the skin and all these things. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like impacting me more. And I think that's been um, a source of strength also. Yeah. Um, uh, family, my, my dear husband, who I love so much. He, uh, he has been above and beyond in all this. And often I'll, I'll have said things to him, like, you didn't choose this. Like you didn't choose to marry someone who is like this, like this wasn't part of your plan. And he's like, it wasn't part of yours either. Right. Like we are in this and we will do it together. We're a team. He's super supportive. Um, he is on board with most of the decisions that, that I make in regards to crazy eating things. So, um, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's super supportive and he's had to step up in a lot of roles that he wasn't really expecting, expecting to either. He's, he's our permanent dishwasher (laughs) because I can't really wash dishes. Um, he does some other odd jobs around the house that were typically mine before. And he, he does them with, without complaining. And he's very, he's so kind and sweet. And I, definitely. I'm, I, I picked a winner there. So <laughs> you did. well, and, and he chose you, and he right. Chose and me. so when you choose someone, it's choosing all of them, Yeah, you know, the, the known and the unknown, and you would do it for him too. And he yeah. does that. Right. And that's, that's like such a, that's such a big thing. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have someone who's just received a diagnosis? Oh, this is the good question. Don't Google. No, I'm just kidding. Google. <laughs> I'd like I'd Google everything, say, Google everything because well, you have to advocate for yourself. If I didn't know, uh, 
if I wouldn't have brought that envelope to my doctor saying, all these things look like they're connected, here's something that I think it might be, it may not have got the wheel going. Um, because when doctors look at the symptoms, they often look at them separately. And so I do think that a little Google doesn't hurt. <laughs> Maybe yeah. don't like spiral into uh, a lot of things because then it's overwhelming. I remember the first time I looked up scleroderma, one of the first images was a hand that was all, it had so much fibrosis that it couldn't open. And I remember looking at that as a music teacher going, if that's what my hand's going to look like, I can't, like, right. I'm never going to be able to teach music. I'm never going to play, play the piano again. Um, and so I remember feeling so afraid of it instead of feeling like, okay, this is just a, it could be the disease that I have. I remember being afraid of that, those types of things, because you see the worst case scenario often, um, when you do Google, but I think the most important thing though, is building a, a good team and having a, a community of support, um, a good team of medical doctors, medical. of naturopaths, whatever route you want to take, you need to have people there that have your back that will advocate for you and that will, and that know things about it. So unfortunately I had the experience where I had three previous doctors that weren't quite sure. And then I finally got the fourth one. And sometimes, I mean, you feel bad when you're like, sorry, doctor, I don't think this is working. Um, but sometimes you have to keep going until you find that, that right, um, person to be, to be your person, to have, to have a voice for you. Um, so that, that I would encourage you if, when you're newly diagnosed with something is to, to make sure you have the right people on your team and, and to make sure that they're in communication. My GP and my rheumatologist, they send letters back and forth to each other. The, my pulmonologist works with my rheumatologist. So we're all connected and they all know what's going on. Uh, and I think that's really, really important. People that are as curious and driven to help you as you are. Mm -hmm, for sure. Right. Yeah. And then of course you're like your community of support, your family, your friends, the people you surround yourself with, you need people there to support you and uplift you. And you might have people walk away from you for a little while that are trying to process because they're sad for you or they feel hurt for you that you have to go through something like this. And I remember this <laughs> from the beginning of my diagnosis, but they'll come back if they, if they want to come back and you need them, if you need them back, they'll be back. Um, yeah. But I feel like, yeah, there, there was a time where I felt like, okay, some of my good close friends that I thought would be there just didn't know how to process it either because they didn't want me to be going through this as well. And so I think it's really important that you surround yourself with people who will, who will support you and uplift you a hundred percent. That's like super, super duper important. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I think, um, yeah, just people don't, people always think they need to be a certain thing, but just be there, mm -hmm. be there to turn on superstore with like <laughs> whatever, right? Like it, it's not, we make it, we make it so much harder than it needs to be. Yeah. I think a lot of times, what do you want the world to know from your story? I hope that you can see hope in my story. I hope that you can see that. Yes. Getting diagnosed with the disease sucks. No matter what disease it is, it sucks. And it's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Um, and there's a variety of, of possibilities. Um, and yeah, and it does, it, it breaks you at the beginning, especially. Um, but we have so much opportunity to learn and grow whether we have a disease or not, our life mm -hmm. should be spent learning and growing. 
Um, and so I hope that something you can take from this is number one, supporting people. If you don't know someone or if you don't have a disease, let's say, but you've heard of someone who has MS or you've heard of someone with scleroderma or you've heard of someone going through cancer, take the time to get to know about how you can support them and advocate for them as well, whether that's supporting um, like we do the scleroderma walk. There's lots of walks, MS walk, um, the breast cancer walk, supporting those people, just showing that you're present and you're there for them. Mm. I think, um, I think that's super, super important. And something that I've learned more now, um, is that we do need to advocate and we, and we do need to, to keep going in this process of, um, <laughs> sounds funny, but like fundraising, but like, the only way we're going to be able to cure things is by um, advocating and, and raising funds and able to and being able to support the organizations that are trying to find cures and are trying to find right. re um, research or do research to be able to find better treatments for for a lot of the different types of, of diseases, even in scleroderma, that's something that um, that's important to me. That's why I advocate for it. Yeah. That's why I do my walk every year. And it's also taught me a lot about advocating. I never thought I was a person meant to be an advocate. I'm an advocate for children all the time and as a teacher, right. but as a, 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 a adult, I just never really had intentionally put my thought into the advocating world. And I definitely feel like, especially for some of these rare diseases, they do need voices. So yeah. Well, and I would encourage people to, um, to give your page a follow and to, um, to donate when the time comes, when do you do your walk? When is that? So our walk is virtual again this year. Oh, okay. Um, and so I'm picking a date in June. I haven't quite decided, uh, but yeah, I do start, uh, I will be starting to, uh, put out my scleroderma awareness, uh, for the walk at the beginning of May. And yeah, I, I would encourage you to come follow me on Dominique's Life Adventures. Yeah. <laughs> come read my poem. <laughs> and and it's, I can't wait to read your poem. And it's, it's always, it's always really real and hopeful. And it really, really is like, you're such an inspiration and your commitment and your pushing and your advocacy for yourself. Like it makes me think that if, if those things happen, like that's what I would do. I would be more like Dominique, like what did mm -hmm. Dominique say to do? And so I think that's such, such good advice. What word would you use to describe your journey? One word. I, oh, I was trying to think of a word here and I was like, well, community is important. So I think community, but that doesn't really describe my journey. And then I got, well, it, it does. It describes like the whole part of it. Yeah. Uh, it's a good, funny show as well. Um, yes. <laughs> but I came up with this one and I think this applies to me more. And I think it's grow. grow. I think it's important that I have uh, experienced growth. I, I was kind of using the analogy of a plant. I was thinking, but maybe it's because it's spring. But um, a seed was planted when I was diagnosed with scleroderma. And I feel like my own growth has become that, that um, blossom. It's not quite fully open yet, but I feel like I'm still in this, this growth phase of um, trying to figure out, yeah, who, who is Dominique right now, other than being a person diagnosed with scleroderma. I've grown um, 
with my health physically, with changing my diet, I've grown with mentally um, using resources like the Enneagram um, to try and have some personal growth. And I just feel like this whole journey has, has been a, an area of growth for me. So that's the word I would, one word summary. I didn't really give a one word summary. No, that is a great word though. That's, oh, I love, I love the background and that is a great, that's a great word. And, and it's once again, it's like, there's nothing more hopeful than like a baby, a baby bud, Hmm. right? Like as I look out on my tree and I got baby buds out there, you got baby buds. (laughs) And I think it's, it's just, it's just the promise of spring. Right. And it's the promise of, of change and growth. And yeah, you'll never be disappointed by continuing to grow yourself and better yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, show the world what's possible. You can show the world what's possible. I know you I'll can. Try. You, you, you are, you already are. And so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I loved talking to you and I hope people go give you a follow and yeah, it's a, it's a journey that we're happy to support you on and pray for you and be inspired by you. Like you're such an inspiration and just don't forget that, that you're, you're being used in a big way. So thank you, Jody. It was a pleasure being on today as well. Hey, more Jody listeners. First of all, thank you for spending your time with me today and being here. I love what I am doing. I can't believe how much fun I'm having sharing these stories with you guys. So please like, subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast with one of your friends that you think really needs to hear it. And don't hesitate to send me a message and let me know what you'd like to hear more of on this podcast. Have an awesome day and choose to make the world a better place.